Hey there, this is Joel. And Destiny. And I'm writer David Peppos from Spencer and Locke, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master of disaster, Josh45. Hello. And the second suitor, Tyler Brown. Hey there. And I'm CBS. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Hello. Sure. Today we're doing episode number 186. And the books we're going to be going over is the free comic day books, well, a batch of free comic day books from uh, the 2022 free comic day from this last weekend. Uh, so we're going to be going over the Marvel Comics, Avengers, X-Men, Eternals, Judgment Day. The Udon Comics, Street Fighter Masters, Balanka, and DC Comics, Dark Crisis, Special Edition. And then after that, we have a interview from the Anaheim WonderCon 2022 with uh, David Mack. So we'll run that after the uh, books. Uh, before all that, uh, do we got any news? What's in the news? What's in the news? Uh, I only have one piece of news, so I'm just going to get it out of the way. Um, The Batman podcast, Batman Unburied, has officially dethroned Joe Rogan uh, this week as the number one listened to podcast around the world. Just one episode. There's four episodes now, actually. But just one of them I did. You listened to? No, just one of those episodes dethroned. just for the week, like if that episode specifically dethroned, like that week's episode of the Joe Rogan episode or whatever. Let me, let me, let me, let me show. Oh, that's cool. Did they, last, did they launch all four of them at the same time? They did not. There you go. There's the top podcast charts right now on Spotify, and it's above Joe Rogan. Um, just interesting. I've, I've list. I've, I'm halfway through the fourth one. Um, it's, it's the two launched last Tuesday, and then two launched today. Um, so one and two, three and four. It's fantastic. Um, Winston Duke, John Reese Davis is in it. Um, and then the weird guy from Lost, who I always forget his name, but, um, it's, it's really well done. It's more like a radio show. Um, at least to, to me it is. Um, whereas a podcast, you know, like we, we've talked about it before, but, um, you know, Mindframe is a little bit more, you know, a, a book read over, you know, a track or whatever. This is more of acted and played out and very much reminds me of a radio show, but it's fantastic. And um, it's, I think it's a medium that people are really going to enjoy, but it, I was really impressed. And if you're a Batman fan, definitely um, check that out. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. So cool. Oh, no, it's exclusively on Spotify. I'm sorry. I apologize. It is only on Spotify. And David S. Goyer is the lead producer on it. So it's, it's pretty great. Well, that's cool. That's my news. All right. I'm just not a big fan. I can't. I can't. You asked me to like listen to it. I just I haven't yet. I just don't. So I'm oh, I'm oh, I'm Batmaned out. Oh, I know. I get so it. So I'm just like, mm, I'll, I'll get to it. What's nice is this. Um, at least so far, there's a lot of set. There's uh, four episodes in, and we haven't seen Batman one time. Um, we've seen Bruce Wayne, but it, it's, um, who's played by Winston Duke's really great, but, um, it's not overly 
superhero-fied. It's not overly uh, over the top. Um, it seems much more kind of based in, in, um, in reality and has a little bit more to do with, I feel like the supporting characters than, than a lot of other things do. Barbara Gordon's real big in it. Um, John Reese Davis, the doctor, Dr. Hunter is really great. Um, Thomas and Martha, obviously huge. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. I, I get, I, I understand the Batman fatigue though, Josh, for sure. I, I get it. I, I just like it's a, like I said, a new medium and that's, that's always cool to, to, to see and do to check out. Right on. Well, that's cool. Uh, so I got, got a couple pieces of, of things. Uh, so later this year, Marvel's going to be returning to the, uh, edge of the Spider-Verse. So we're going to get another, uh, Spider-Verse miniseries run of five issues that are entitled Edge of the Spider-Verse, uh, which is promising new versions of, you know, different Spider-Man characters. Didn't the movie just get delayed? Um, I don't know. I'll find out. That's a good question. Uh, but the, so the Edge is going to, be the same idea. They're going to do five one-shot stories. Each of the stories, they're saying each book's going to have like three stories in it, so that's kind of weird. Uh, but they're promising characters like a Craven Spider-Man, um, so Spider Craven, and then a Night Spider, which is a Black Cat Spider-Man. Um, but it's all going to lead up to a uh, regular series called Into the Spider-Verse. So by the time we get to summer, Into the Spider-Verse will be the uh, event happening. So in theory, it's supposed to put it into the Spider-Verse as a thing, I guess. So I guess we'll see what that means. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse uh, did get uh, moved to next summer, June 2nd. So the movie did? Correct. And that's part one. It's it's a two-parter. Oh. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a couple of test pictures out and, like, character design pictures out. Does it coincide with Miles and, and the movie, or...? No. Okay. Yeah, they're they're totally separate things. I mean, the the first series bridged the idea of a connected Spider-Man universe, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with these characters called the Morlocks, which are basically, like, right. I don't know, vampires, sort of. Vampires eat spider-totem people. Hmm. So it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, as far as the, I don't even think Miles is in the first series actually. Really? Not that I can remember. Okay. Um, but that's where we get the, uh, well, Spider-Man Noir happened before that, but like Spider Gwen comes from that series and the, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? The, uh, the girl with the pet spider that drives around the mech suit. Oh, what is her name? Penny, Penny Parker. Yes. She comes from there yes. too. Um, so yeah, it, as far as characters, this, this one's, they're promising a bunch of new versions of characters again. So, I mean, a couple of pictures of the Black Cat Spider-Man look cool, but it's just Black Cat mm-hmm. with a slightly different costume. Mm-hmm. Craven Spider-Man sounds cool. That's, yeah. So it's it, interesting. It's an interesting, I don't know, it'll be an interesting thing to see just all the different ones or whatever. But yeah, whatever the storyline is supposed to be is going to lead to the end of the Spider-Verse. And so we'll have the five-part miniseries and then we'll have the regular series and then I guess that's it. So another thing that's happening, and this is, it's not really Marvel flavored, but it's connected to a guy that does stuff at Marvel. Uh, Lee, Hoon, or Jin, Jin Hoon Lee, um, who's done a lot of Marvel covers, and they're all fantastic. Like, he's very, very good. And I started a Kickstarter called, uh, Guma. It's G-U-M-M-A. Uh, the full title is Guma, The Beginning of Her. And it's, uh, it's set up to be a seven part series. And what he's on Kickstarter for is to fund the first three issues. And best I understand, this is his first, like, full-length writing of a comic book. And from, like, the few pictures that are up on the internet, I mean, they look really cool. The pictures are great. I mean, he's a fantastic artist, so that's awesome. But uh, the story's going to deal with, like, 
not necessarily focus directly on the superpowers, but focus on the characters and like choices you make in life to make you good or bad. Um, but also the backdrop of like criminal organization and magical demon things. And he's never written anything before. Not that I understand. That's exciting. No. That's so, cool. Good for him. It looks really cool. I mean, art wise, it's all fantastic looking art. So sure. That stuff's great. Well, good for him. That's that's awesome for him to get that opportunity to be able to put his vision out there, even even though he's mainly an artist and. Hopefully you can write something that's fantastic. I mean, yeah, it looks really cool. I mean, if you want to get on Kickstarter, I think the lowest tier is $10. Uh, but it's on Kickstarter right now, so... Cool. I'd say look, look it up if, you, if you're digging those... What was it, Gumma? Gumma, yeah. Gumma. G-U-M-M-A-A. G-U-M-A. Um, it's the full okay. name, so... Well, sorry, the full name is Guma. The beginning of her is the full title. But I, I'm sure if you look just for G-U-M-A, you'll find it. I can't imagine anything else has that title on there. I, at least I wouldn't think it would. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, so the only other thing that's like really, I mean, it's a really big thing. It's mostly from last week, but, um, so last week, George Perez passed away. Um, so he, yeah, he wanted to pass away on Thursday in his home with his, you know, with his wife. And as far as the thing, I mean, we knew it was coming and we've talked about him on the show a few, two different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when they were doing that Justice League Avengers crossover book again, and just his uh, impact in the world, and how they have the art pieces coming out in June. Right, so, that were supposed to go to the foundation for him. Yeah. So, like the the DC Comics is putting that. Uh, well, I assume they're still doing it. I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, putting the art, the uh, combined art jam piece in the middle of a bunch of books in June, which is like a celebration of his birthday. So, only a month away from his birthday, which is unfortunate. But, I mean, it is what it is in the world, so. That's too bad. Yeah. Uh, as far as, uh, as far as things, I mean, cancer is a terrible thing, just in general. And, like, George is a huge imprint on the world. And I don't know, I mean, when it comes to things that he did, he did a lot of stuff, too. I mean, with Neil Adams dying last week, which is absolutely crazy, George, well, hey, not absolutely crazy, it's crazy. George had a pretty big impact on how things worked, too. Not necessarily behind the scenes, but I mean, he been drawing stuff. He, so, the guy was sixty-seven years old, right? Mm-hmm. And he basically been in the comic game for four decades, drawing things. Wow! So, like, and he did. I mean, he did a lot of stuff, man. I mean, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, White Tiger, Spider Man, Avengers, mm-hmm. Justice League America, Inhumans, sure, Fantastic Four. Um, just to say, some. I mean, as far as big books. I mean, he did event books, too. Not just, like, Justice League versus DC, or sorry, Avengers versus Justice League America. But, like, he was in on the crime of crisis, the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, not right, Final, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earths, right. not Final Crisis, but Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was, like, a huge thing that reshaped DC. Sure. Freaking crazy. But yeah, as far as stuff, I mean, he did a lot of things for a lot of companies. And uh, as far as relaunching Wonder Woman in 87, that was a pretty big thing. Um, just the styling, the way he drew Wonder Woman. Because before that, a lot of the ladies were all drawn sort of the same, carbon mm-hmm. copy. Mm-hmm. And when he took over that and started doing it, it changed the way they looked. And when he got into New Teen Titans, which he's a co-creator of, the way they drew, like, Raven was entirely different from the way that they drew Sunfire. 
Sure. And, like, it made for the different shapes of characters to make them into more, like, fleshed-out characters. Instead of just having a sprite of a woman, you right. know, from, from thing to thing. That makes sense. So, like, that was a pretty big thing that happened back then and, like, shaped the way things are done now. Um, I mean, as far as, I mean, other books that, I mean, hugely impactful books. I mean, even one, I mean, just think about, like, so he was a part of the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that, I mean, Josh, you know about Infinity Gauntlet. That's George Perez, too. Mm, the original run was? Yeah. Original Infinity Gauntlet with Adam Warlock. Like, he's connected to all that stuff. Wow. So, like, I don't know. As far as impact in books, like, he, there's a lot of stuff that guy was involved in. I, not some stuff I didn't even realize. Um, he did a couple of independent series, too. Uh, there's a series called Sirens that he did. Um, that was a creator-owned series. And uh, something else, I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, dude, but there's, you know, Lex Luthor's green and purple power armor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The War Machine suit? George is the one that designed that. That's crazy. So, like, if it comes to Lex Luthor costumes, I mean, that's probably the most prominent one, really. I mean, other than the business suit. I can't think of any other suits of his that are that, like, that are, like, iconic, I guess. Anyhow. That's too bad. Yeah. As a thing, it's a lot. He'd been sick for quite a while. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, we've talked about it three or four times in episodes here, and, like, that's over months. Yeah. It's been a few months since we've It's not like, it's not like it was all of a sudden thing, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things in the world that we start looking at what guy's done. It's, it's crazy the amount of things that he, like, worked on and touched. Like, I had no idea about that Lex Luthor suit thing. Like, I just found that out today. So I mean that's really that's really cool, but it's something I never even considered. Yeah, it's, it, it, there's a plethora of books that he's definitely. There's a Hulk book in here. Oh, Sirens! You were talking about that. Yeah, it was a creator on one he worked on. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. So as far as like big pieces in the world, I mean the guy did. He did just a lot of stuff, and like really really cool guy. I mean I know I told this story back a couple episodes ago, but the only time I ever met him. I got a couple books signed by him, so I have a Wonder Woman 1978 number one that's signed by George. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's really cool. That's got to be pretty special. It, it was, it, it, as far as a book, it's a neat book, but as far as the dude, he was just a really cool dude, and uh, I've got a sketch somewhere in the plethora of random sketches I have of a Teen Titans Robin that he did. But just a really cool guy, really nice guy. Best I could tell anybody that talked to him, like, he was, he was, he was a light of a person. And, like, I've been told real recently that I need to focus on that a little better, so. Be like George, see I, You know, that actually is a really. Be like George. Yeah, really good. It's good advice. Yeah. Really good thing. Good advice. Anyhow, but yeah, I mean, other than that one real, I mean, Neil Adams I ran into a bunch of times in life. Mm-hmm. Um, George only really ran into the one time. And it was, it was, it was actually at Denver Comic Con, too. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. Um, maybe, God, I don't know, like seven years ago or something. Six or seven years ago. But anyway, so like as a thing, the dude was a trooper to the end. He was still, you know, scheduled to be doing things. And it's just, it's just unfortunate just because of the way the guy, like he affected so many people. It's crazy. I was looking at a bunch of tweets today from people and like Gail Simone has stories about him. And like, there's all these cool stories from people about how George had impact on their life. When you're a part of that many series and you've, you know, changed, changed the industry. There's no doubt about it that you're going to impact 
um, you know, a lot of young artists and a lot of young writers and a lot of young people in general, I'm sure even outside the industry, he's impacted a many, many, many amount of, um, of people and we wish his uh, family the best. So, yeah, I mean, as a thing onward, upward, George, it's all, you know, it is what it is. Anyhow. So after that, we'll move into some books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. The first one of these pieces, and with these anthology books, like the Marvel and the DC ones are both, they're both anthology books with multiple little short stories in them. So like the Marvel one's got a Blade story in it, it's got an X-Men story in it. Uh, But the only one we're really going to go over is the first one, the X-Men Avengers Eternals Judgment Day. Um, the Dark Crisis one has the same thing going on. It's got a, two previews and like a catch up with the universe in it. So, uh, as far as pieces, we're just going to go over the primary part of the, the biggest part of the book. Um, but the Judgment Day. So this is the free comic book day, Avengers X Men Eternal Judgment Day um, free comic book day book written by Karen Gillan and artist on it is Dustin Weaver. And like the book opens up and we've basically got a shot of the of the Earth and the Moon. And it's a voiceover going over how all the days since whoever the monologue is coming from has been here and how they've been watching the machine that that uh, has been a prologue to everything. And then we see a shot of the Eternals fighting the Deviants. And we have the same voiceover basically introducing the idea of the, Devi- or the uh, Eternals to protect the Earth and maintain its status and uh, to correct the, the deviations and the problems, which is you know what their job was. So the second panel down is the Avengers, and it's got more voiceover in it, talking about how the Avengers showed up, and that became a catch-all for the Eternals, because they were heroes that were not them to take care of problems. And then they said they would suffice for their powers and the, and the worth of the Eternals' cons- considerations. Then the bottom panel, we have the X-Men, and it's a classic shot of the X-Men, so like, first-class style. Uh, and then it says, and then there were the mutants. And that, that's all it really, it really says. The other ones have a bunch of like dialogue inside of them. That one's got almost nothing. And then we jump to another panel on the next page, and it says, just shy of a million years ago. And it says, and then things got complicated. And things, there, things have been that way for a long time. And we see this crazy looking like blue monkey thing with glowing like pink eyes. And uh, we pull back to see that here's Odin, uh, young. And he is joined by two of the Eternals. Um, we have Urus in uh, Ledge, Liege, I think I said. Mm-hmm. And the three of them are looking at this whole pack of these crazy hybrid... Psychic monkeys. Psychic monkeys, yeah. And Odin's like, they're just monkeys. Like, what do you want to do? They're just monkeys. And both the Eternals are like, these are a problem. Like, we, we need to eradicate these things. And Odin's like, I don't really think this is uh, that much of a problem. I mean... So they're monkeys. Like, what difference does it make? He's also just there for beer. He's like, Druid said there would be beer. <laughs> right. So he was, he was basically conned to come there to help them make a decision about what to do about these... Exactly. ...super-powered, like, high-minded th- monkeys with, I mean, kind of Gene Grey powers, actually. Sure. And uh, so as we're talking, of course, the two deviants go over all the reasons why it's a problem and why they need to be taken care of, and the only way that they can protect this world is if, is if their fate is sealed. And Odin's like, I mean, do whatever you want, I guess. I don't necessarily think we're going to kill them. He's like, but you know what? You give me some more to drink, and uh, you can go ahead and do whatever you want. <laughs> that's basically his whole entire, like... Yeah, that's basically his shtick this entire yeah. time is, hey, 
Druid told me there would be beer here. And he's like, well, Druid lies. That's what he does. Right. So basically, he just agrees to them do whatever they want if they bring him some pints. And then the final like little panel of that is just a huge fire and the three of them watching while Odin drinks. Yep. So, I um, mean, it didn't go as well for the monkeys. Um, which is, I mean, bad. they weren't like ugly looking things, but they're kind of weird. Yeah, they were weird. And then from there, we jump back to the present and then it says, uh, of course, Odin's uh, dismissal the dismissed the dismissed the Avengers, and doesn't usually recognize the experience of the deviations. So he ke- it's talking about how he doesn't really recognize what a deviation is and what it isn't. And uh, we see this giant monster thing that's it's like a mixture of dude with three eyes, but one eye looks kind of like a snout. The other eye's got laser beams falling out of it. Um, the hands are like claws with. Giant swords coming out of the palm. They're kind of yeah. cool. I actually really like the design of that. It's a crazy looking kaiju monster. Mm-hmm. It has like, well, I don't know, it kind of look like, what is it? A fish blade with gills. Looks like there's gills underneath its arms. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, it's a monstrosity. I mean, it does look kind of cool. But there, it's, it's running through this town and just destroying everything in the town. We cut to the shot beneath that, and uh, now we have the Avengers there, and it's it's uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Captain Marvel, and Black Panther. And uh, Iron Man's like, besides being enormous and hideous, that's all I can really see the problem with this is. What is it? He's like, all I can really tell is enormous and it's ugly. And Captain America's like, we'll ask questions after we stop it from eating all these buildings. Are you ready? Avengers assemble, and away they go to fight this monster. And so as as they're battling it, I mean, we get some a little bit of banter between the group of them. And uh, they're in the process of taking this thing down. And all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, here comes two of the Eternals. We have Icarus, and I do not remember the chick's name. Uh, Cersei. Cersei. I got you. And they're like, we've got support. And here comes Icarus and Cersei. And they're both like, deviations. And they're there to exercise the deviation. So they're there to eradicate it because mm-hmm. it's a deviant. And they fly basically into the eye of it and like create this giant force like bubble thing and blow up its head, like its entire head. It's like the Avengers were trying to stop it from eating things and like take it down, but they just basically go in there and pop its head. Yep. It's, I mean, it's they like fly through it. I think. Yeah. She's covered in goop afterwards. Yeah. There's a scene where there's its arms and things are all hanging there, but mm-hmm. it's got no head. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene over, it's like pouring its like guts out of its neck hole. As Thor basically moves over to the water side. Yeah, he just picks, he just nonchalantly picks up this giant, you know, something the size of Godzilla. He's like, yep, I'll move this. Right. And like, as they're moving the body around, Captain Marvel and Thor and everybody else that's there, they're talking about how, oh, it's got plasma in its veins. And we've been fighting this thing for a long time. And then we see Cersei and she's, of course, yeah, she's covered in purple guts. And she's like, I need a drink and a shower. Then perhaps another drink. And Iron Man's like, are you are you okay? Serious? Like, y- you seemed a little unsettled. And she, so they just continue to talk for a minute. And she's like, oh no, it's no, there's no concern for you, sweetie. It, it was a deviant suffering is suffering at the suffering of an out of control mutation. And so she basically tries to explain to him that these crazy mutations are the things they fight all the time. And uh, Captain America is like, well, whatever the motivation, we're glad for the help. And uh, her response back to him is like, well, it wasn't a choice, Captain. Basically explaining that they have no choice but to go fight these things. And she's like, we're, de- we're Eternals. We have a code. Uh, it's embedded in, all mo- in our molecules. So basically she tells them that they they don't have a choice but to deal with it. 
from there, we cut to Krakoa. So the, the Krakoan island, and it's now time, and we get more voiceover uh, talking about the uh, sovereign nation of mutants and the superpowers that are growing there and all these single seconds and the returnings and all the... It's all basically going over what's happening with the mutants and how they don't really feel death anymore because um, they've solved the problem of death. Whenever they're sent off for mutants, they or sent off for missions or whatever, they just clone themselves right afterwards and the clone has all the memories of the previous version and they just move on. So uh, there's some more dialogue about that. We see uh, Cyclops getting reborn and Emma Frost there and uh, uh, Wolverine's there and we've got a shouted out character in the back that's uh, talking about how sadly the Jack and Knives um, is not a character they've been dealing with a lot. And so we move forward from there a little bit more and we get these two other guys, another couple Eternals, and they're talking about how immortality is not okay for... It, don't be... They're, they're both talking about how immortality for the mutants is not okay. Um... I don't remember this guy's name either. The guy's basically got a Lex Luthor costume on. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Yeah. And he's like, well, the mutants, are, the mutants aren't, aren't afraid of death anymore. That means nothing. They're, they're, they've become Eternals. And the other one's like, that's ridiculous. They're immortals at best. So, like, how would that being an immortal and being eternal are different? I mean, other than, I guess, sake of nature is sure. whatever. Um, so the two of them argue, are talking about that a little bit. And then we cut from that page to basically a giant spread where it's got the X-Men on one side, the Eternals on the other side, and the Avengers stuck in the middle. And uh, this is what Judgment Day is supposed to be about. And I th- the end push for it is that mut- mutants are basically mutations also. And deviants are mutations. Well, the Eternals' job is to destroy them, right? So that's kind of what the setup is. Right. And that's where the last part of that particular story that we're paying attention to for this particular read theory stops. Um, again, afterwards, there's like a, back- a, Blake- a backup story for Blade. Like a little tiny one. There's an X-Men story after that dealing with the Cohen Island again and the Avengers and how they've all sort of had multiple runs with each other through the time. But the main crux of it, the big the big part of the story is the Judgment Day stuff. Um, as far as the art in the book, I mean, it's good. The The Judgment Day section, the art's really decent. It's it's real, it's real good stuff. And as far as the characters, you know who, who people are supposed to be as provided you know them. Like, a couple of the Eternals, I just don't have a full grasp on who these characters are when it comes to the Eternals. I mean, I know the main guys, but then after that I fall off the wagon with what little bit I know about the Eternals. Um, as far as the story, I mean, it's a setup, so I think it's interesting to pit the two factions against each other. I mean, generally speaking, that usually results in team-up, so I guess we'll see what this faction war is. Because the way they have a poise, it looks like the Avengers are trapped in the middle of all of it. So, I guess we'll see what that is. I mean, as far as the story, for a free comic book day book, I don't know, give it two and a half. I mean, okay. Well, because basically the Eternals' job is to wipe out any mutation of craziness. It could potentially spawn a mass change in create devastation or whatever massive change. So that's what they, those monkeys were a high mind that could grow into this massive hive group of beings. So that's why it wiped them out early on with that weird Thanos precursor person. Um, Unanos, uh, 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 what was it? Uranos. You are Uranos. Uranos. And so it's just like, The frustrating thing on this is the Eternals have been such a a D player 
in the Marvel Universe for so long. Oh, yeah. And now that they have a movie out that wasn't very good. Also. And they're trying to bring him into this whole entire thing. And even in, even for the last however many decades they've been part of things, they've had powers, but they haven't been like, they haven't been like super crazy. I mean. They haven't mattered. Well, not even that they haven't mattered. They're like, they're not even like that, that super powerful. They've been like decently powerful, but like, there's been other people more powerful. And it's just like now that they're a thing, they're going to try to bring it into a thing, and they're like they're holding the Eternals at the highest level, and like the Avengers, and they're in the middle because they have superpowers. Because and because most of them only got their superpowers through like weird situations or their gods, crazy science, yeah. But even but even most like I'd say thirty five percent of the Avengers are mutants, so that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess a few of them are, yeah. Quicksilver? Well, I mean, technically, Captain America, once they change his genetic code, he'd be a mutant, too, right? No, he wouldn't be a mutant. He's no, a you're, you're, yeah. No, science experiment? Okay. Yeah, science experiment. Well, Quicksilver and Wanda, I mean, yeah. I mean, Wolverine, too, he's been an Avenger. So. Yeah, well, yeah, everybody. Depends yeah. who you're considering an Avenger. Right, yeah, right, true. right. And so then you're like, because they have Krakoa now, and they, have, they can, like, come back from the dead, and they're technically eternal, I guess, it's like, now they're an issue, but they've been... Those monkeys were just a hive mind group of monkeys, and they wiped them out super early on. But like the mutants have been around for decades, and like now they're now, and they've created the Dark Phoenix saga that almost wiped out the entire universe. And like the Eternals did nothing back then, but now all of a sudden, they're like, well, they can come back from the dead now, so we're now we're going to pay attention and maybe wipe them out. I just, you know, like I think the premise is pretty lame because I. I liked when they brought in the Inhumans with the the mutants. When it was was it uh, House of A? It was a, no. Um, well, there was House. Oh gosh, it was A versus X. A versus, a versus X. X. That was cool. It was yeah. cool. It was. I enjoyed that because they're both kind of they're at least on par with each other. Well, and it says in this book that that it, that that's it's it's the the narrator whoever is like oh Avengers have fought you know X Men before but. Not without the, you know, Eternals being involved or something like that. Something to that effect, which I thought was a little on the nose. Yeah. Hey, the Inhumans, there's a big push for the Inhumans, too, because there was an Inhumans versus Avengers, I think. But it was later on. But, yeah, all that stuff paced differently. And, and the Eternals, like, the only two that have ever mattered is Icarus and, what's her name? Cersei. Cersei. Like, the rest of them, they've been around, but, I mean, other than Sprite, I mean, most of them, I don't, I don't feel like most people remember most of those names. Drig. I mean, I guess, but that That's wasn't one until I, you know, read it in this book that I remembered. I'll give you, there is a whole series going on with the Eternals, and it, it has been pretty decent, also written by Karen Gillan, but as far as series are concerned, I'm not as married to it as other series, so I'm not current on it, and they did just recently do a one-shot issue uh, for Aranis. So maybe that one shot issue explains part of what's going on here because I haven't read that. I don't know that, but I feel like if uh, if your push is going to be for this big thing making the Eternals seem like they should be able to take out the X Men, I don't know if I've seen enough to be on board with that. Which I think is what you were saying, dude. Because it, you're right. They haven't they haven't worried about it until now, but the old class is worried about the monkeys. Okay. And the Phoenix Saga is a pretty big thing, right? Yeah. yeah. It really was. I mean, uh, if, if that's the only thing... That they, I mean, if, if of only one event, 
Let's just name one event. Mm. We're not talking about onslaught, or we're not talking oh, about. Yeah. We're not talking about anything else. There's so right. many others. Like we could go, and you're that's the one that you're going to make it. All of a sudden, they're <laughs> like, oh. Nothing much is going on, but they can kind of come back from the dead in this weird island thing that, like, which has been going on for five years at least. I mean, yeah, in the comic books, I don't think so. At least no, five years, because Jim Jonathan Hickman started all that. With, mm-hmm. well, maybe at least five been. years, maybe it has been. Hundred percent. Avers of House of X and Power of X started all. Of it. it might even be before that. That's at least five years, yeah. Because one hundred percent. A versus yeah. X, yeah. It's been a while. Oh, no, no, not A versus X. Uh, House, oh. House of House, House of, of A. House of X, Power of X. Oh, okay. That's where Jonathan Hickman started all this, and that's where all the returning stuff came from. But yeah, it has been a minute. So I mean, in real people time, it's it's been going on for a while. I just if this is, it's disappointing. Sorry. You want to score it while you're while you're there? I gave it a one. I mean, I don't even like the art. It, it looks like is it is it Ramita? Uh, no, the uh, the artist on this is uh, Weaver. Yeah, Weaver. Because it, it looks like Ramita Junior. And it it's it's he's he's a clone of Ramita Junior. He might be a, it might have been Inger for him at one point or D- something. Dustin Weaver. And so, not a fan. Of that style, like the real boxy, like j- square jawed, like style of art. Not a fan of that. Um, I don't like, I don't like the premise. I think it's pretty lame. Like they've done this premise before, but they did with it, what they did with the Inhumans, which was way cooler. And so. Oh. Okay. So the house and power stuff was 2019. So it's not, it's not that old, but it's, four years. Yeah. It's, but Krakoa it was before that. Well, the island Krakoa has been around a lot for a long time, but the island wasn't initially a, the it was initially the, like yeah. a, a home yeah. for the X-Men. Like, it was the Island of Eight Mutants. That's where it started as. And the original first-class X-Men showed up on it, because Professor X sent them out there to take care of the problem of the Island of these mutants. And they all got dead, except for Vulcan, which he thought was dead, and so he just abandoned the group, which is pretty questionable Professor X, actually. And then he went and he formed a new group of X-Men, which had Vulcan's brother Cyclops. Didn't tell any of them about the first group, and we just moved forward. Granted, a lot of that's Ratconny stories, but at the same time, that's the way it sits right now in the lore of X-Men. So the Krakoan Island's been around for a long time, but them living on it, that all came from House of X and Power of X. So you're right, it's like only four years ago, or it's it's over, slightly over four years ago. So it really has been kind of a long time. And the death and return thing, I mean, I guess I get that before they were, they could die, so... Maybe the Inhumans felt different about it, but it is a little weird that they're like, oh, well, now that's not a problem. I guess it's our problem. So, I mean, it is a little weird. So, I don't know. I I find part of that interesting, though, but I, I kind of want to see how they connect all those pieces. But I, I don't know. I'm a little more married to those stories than, than I think other people are, so it might just be my persuasion with it is all. So, Josh, you gave it a one? Yeah. Very disappointed. I was like, it was, mm. Mr. Brown, what did you think about the, uh, I'm going to give it a two. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to rain on your parade here a little bit, but uh, it, thank goodness all these books were free because, um, or a part of free comic book day because none of them I thought were real, um, bangers. Um, just knock it out of the park. And we've had, we've had free comic book day, you know, books that are fantastic. So I get it. They, they can't all be bangers, but, um, I'm going to give it a two because I do like the art style. Um, I think, uh, this, this panel with, with everybody on it, with, um, 
you know, the X-Men and, and, and the Avengers in the middle and the, and the Eternals at the end. Um, my other thing is I'm a huge Iceman fan and this, this, uh, X-Men thing here in the original suits with Beast and Iceman, you know, and Angel and Gene and Cyclops is, is great. Um, I, I do like the art. As far as the story, I'm kind of with Josh. There's, I got kind of, it's, it's very convoluted. I wasn't quite sure what was going on. Um, obviously if you, if you're reading more, you'd know more about the island and you'd know more about, you know, um, whatever. I don't read a ton of Marvel, but I just, it's, it's not really written in, in a style that I really enjoyed and I don't think is very fluid. So I give it, give it a two. Cool. And we'll have to see how it goes. When it comes to free comedy day books, I mean, yeah, th- there were other ones this year that are, that are like winners, but they're books that we actually reviewed, like mm-hmm. three of them that are free comedy day books. Our books we reviewed already, so like that part just means we make the choices, and those guys are clearly the winner from the batch of books that we're giving out. Sure, but yeah, it, as far as the thing, I, I, we'll see what the big event does. I don't know. I think Judgment Day is going to be neat. I mean, I'll give you. There's not enough Eternal stuff in the world to make them matter as much. Hopefully, this does that. I think that's the whole point. And like what I've read of the new Eternal series that Karen Gillan's doing, it's good. Do they matter in the long run? I mean, not the same way other characters do. So, there's that. I do understand what Josh is saying. I, I get that they're trying to capitalize on this Eternals thing, but really, just like you said, I mean, how many Eternals can you name? Two? I mean... Yeah. And, and, and they're, they're not, you know, the movie wasn't a giant success. While it was, you know, something that needed to happen in order to, you know, advance the MCU. But, you know, as far as a comic book... Did it? But yeah, did it? Yes. It had, yes. It but had, did it? Yes. But did it? Yes. If they, they could, they couldn't have done an in, Inhumans film and it would have been way better. They are not going to touch Inhumans again. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, they, that's the problem. That's what's wrong. I understand. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that they, that there is a reason why they did it the way they did because Inhumans, you know, failed so drastically and in, you know, such a high profile kind of thing. I mean, it was. So did Eternals. Not, Not, even close. No. Not even close. Not even close. You think that Eternals did way better than Eternals? The, the box TV office show. did way better than oh, yeah. the television show. Yeah, absolutely. So much better. The money they spent on the TV show for versus what they spent on that movie and what they lost. You think? I don't think oh, Eternals I don't was a loser. That. I don't think Eternals was a loser. Here, I'll find out. Yeah, I don't know money wise how it's set, but fan reaction wise, and I've seen all the Eternals now. Not, not the Eternals. Are all the Inhumans now? And, like, the casting is not bad casting. The looks aren't even, like, really bad looks. I mean, the only one that looks really weird is when they take away Gorgon's hoof feet and they give him boots. They're normal man boots, which makes no sense. So, he gets shorter and he loses his... Oh, so, I mean... But the you, stories were weak. You, you, I mean, you being frustrated of a man with hooves gets boots instead. Like, I, that's, <laughs> that's such a, like, that's such a moot point. That's just one of the visuals. When it comes to look, that was the only look that was really weird. The rest of the problem within the Inhuman show is that the story was just, it's just weak. It's poorly, poorly written. And yeah, it's not put together well. Uh, Eternals had a budget of about estimated $200 million. It grossed $402 million worldwide. So while not a screaming success, um, it definitely made its money back. I would say a lot more people probably saw the Eternals than saw the Inhuman sure. show. They did, I think that they could have been made, it could have been very easily gone the other the way. And then they made an, an Eternal show and an Inhumans movie, and I think the Inhumans movie would have been better. 
Because the characters are better. I agree. They're more known. I agree. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just understand why Marvel didn't touch it. Now, obviously, the idea of, you know, Eternals was to bring in Celestials and ultimately, hopefully, Galactus. And I definitely think that Eternals could do that as well. Or, excuse me. Uh, Inhumans. Inhumans could have done that as well. Absolutely. I mean, we could Probably use, in a cooler way, too, really. I mean. Could use elements to do it, but the birthing from the planets, I mean, if, if that's the direction they go, as far as the movies, we don't really know that's what they're going to do. We just assume that that's, it makes the most sense if the point of the Inhuman movie, not Inhuman, sorry, the Eternals. Eternal movie, was to introduce the idea that Celestials are birthed from planets. Correct. They eat planets to be born. Here's Galactus, he's an eater of planets. Right. So, I mean, those steps make the most sense to me. And I, th- I think as a general consensus that if that's what they use it for, then okay, that's what the movie was for. If they don't, and we go the direction of him being the remnants from the outside the universe, that's the only piece left from the old universe, which is what the truth is, and they don't bother to make him connect with that at all, then, then it makes the Eternals a complete waste. I'll tell you this much. If, if it was a DC film, it would have gotten crapped on so much. But because the Marvel Universe had done so well for so long and have so much clout, they're like, eh, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> I'm in agreement. But as a DC film, they would have been like, if they would have made a film about the new gods. Oh, yeah. Which, okay, that, that's even a bad comparison. The new gods are way cooler than the Eternals. They are. That and movie's I- officially canceled, by the way, because that was a thing. Okay. Anyway, and it was it was that mediocre People would have been like, worst DC film ever. So terrible. So dumb. True. I mean, pacing You know why we haven't done an Eternals episode of this podcast? Because it wasn't worth it. Or never been done podcast as well. Neither of us have done it. Because it's not good. That movie was terrible. It was garbage. Yeah, I don't think it was good. And so, like, again, they're trying to make the Eternals be relevant in the comic books to try to make the movie seem more important. And it's not. And that's my, that's my frustration with this book. I don't think you're wrong. I, I really don't. And again, just like you said, I get why Inhumans would be more appealing. I would be more interested in humans for sure. Absolutely. But again, if they wouldn't have flopped so hard on the show, then maybe we'd, we'd be looking at it in a different way now. That's good. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good possibility. But I bought Medusa alone are amazing characters. Oh, no, I agree. They're, yeah. they're cool characters, again, for sure. You're, you're not wrong. And even the people that had played the parts in the show weren't bad. It was just poorly, in my opinion, poorly written. The show was just, yeah, the show itself was just poorly put together. The casting was fine. Mm-hmm. Even the costumes, for the most part, were fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get Karnak, and he's in the full-on costume from the comic books by the end of the season. So, like, as far as looks concerned, that wasn't the problem. It's the rest of the story that just doesn't fit together very well. So, winner-wise, there's pieces that are that are good about it. I mean, even Medusa, when they shave her head, the chick playing the part looks great. Mm-hmm. And she's a good actress. But then the other half of the cast is just okay. And the story is broken at best. I mean, when it comes to the Eternals, it's a lot like Justice League. It really is. And you're right. Like, Justice League is treated way worse, even though there's a lot of, like, the style of movie... Here's a new team of characters. Here's how they fit together. Here's their big problem. It's it's pacing and setup kind of the same, except that Justice you, League. You said that before, but the problem is here's the problem with it. Like you you said that before to me, and that ma- makes no sense because you can put Batman, Superman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, all those people together 
randomly for no reason out of the blue and pull them out and like and they're all of a sudden there's a thing because everybody knows who those characters are. The Eternals, nobody knows who they are. So it's not the same as the Justice League. What they tried to do in that movie, though, was give us origin stories for half of them. And they didn't. But everybody already knew the origin stories for all the people in Justice League. So it's okay to do that. I'm trying to, that's what I'm if trying to say. If they would not done an origin for Aquaman in the movie, then that'd be true, but they did. They did an origin for Aquaman. They did an origin for the Flash. They sort of did an origin yeah, for Yeah, but Cyborg. everybody already knows who those characters are, but the Eternals, they don't. Oh, no, I agree. That's true. The so Eternals it's not, not so it's not the same at all. Like that's, okay. that's what I'm trying to say is just like, okay. like the Eternals, like you can't treat it like the Justice League. Even though, like, even if they did treat it like the Justice League, like you're saying, you can't, it's not the same. Because those people, the people are like, okay, we know this guy, we know Icarus, and he's kind of this guy that kind of looks like Miracle Man and shoots rays out of his eyes. But really, I mean, like, I've been reading comics since I was like seven years old, and I barely know what the Eternals are all about. Oh, yeah, barely. That's, that's the main problem with them. For something that's been around for as long as they have. And I know, and I know some yeah. wonky off the wall stuff. Right. I'm like, okay. Like, and, I mean, people now will be like, oh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, the coolest thing of all time. I've been a Guardians of the Galaxy fan since, like, they were with, like, the characters that Sly Stallone played. Like, oh, the, the orig- original Guardians? Yeah. yeah. Well, Charlie, like, you know, like, I. Year 33,000 or whatever? Like, Starhawk and all, you know, and Captain, uh, Captain. Oh, gosh, I don't remember. Whatever, that. you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the original Yondu? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I've been reading that book since back then, and I like I like that stuff, and like Adam Warlock and Silver Surfer and all the Starlin stuff, like Jim Starlin. Like I, I've been reading the real off the wall, which was big back in the day, but like you know, I stayed up with it. Like right, you know, I read all those, all the all, and like the Eternals were never been a thing, not that way, no. And like the biggest character in that film shows up in the like the the, the two biggest characters. I'll say the two biggest characters. Show up in the, the catch at the end of that film. <laughs> like Pip and, uh... All right. What's his face? Eros. Star Fox. Same thing. Same guy. Yeah, they, they're the two... They're the they're the two most popular characters in that... In that. Well, they're not popular either. That's the Pip, problem. Is Pip, is, Pip is way are. more, like, recognizable. Oh, yeah. Uh, of the group of them, he's way more recognizable. He was in, like, 50 issues of Infinity stuff. Well, yeah, and he's in the... He used to keep an Infinity, Infinity gem in between his toes. Yeah. And people know that more than any of the the Eternals. Oh, I'm not arguing with you. But the Eternals, as far as a property, they had that four-part miniseries that they started in, and they had the 18 issues after that. In 2006, I think, is when uh, Neil Gaiman wrote a miniseries, like a six-part miniseries for him. Until the modern books, which Gillen is writing also. and they Of the modern books, the ones I've read, it's like the first half of it, they are good. But they also are like a retelling, a reorigining of the books or of the characters because the movie happened. So I mean, there's no argument there. That's not. It'll be interesting to see how what it does. I think, but I read a lot more Marvel than either one of you guys do. So, and I can't say I'm entirely like this is the best thing ever, but I do think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I am a pretty big fan of Avengers vs X Men. Jason Aaron wrote that, and it was great. ABX was cool, yeah. Yeah, it was really it good. It was cool. So, I, I don't necessarily know if this, at least from the free comp day setup book, I don't necessarily feel as invested in it as I was in that one. Sure. But again, like, most of these characters that I know are from not that faction. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. AXE. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. It's coming this summer. 
Axe. Right? Which I, I don't know. They, it's smart. It's just, yeah, just Gil, having a, yeah. Gillen is a good writer. He wrote a lot. He wrote that first batch of Darth Vader books, um, for the Marvel Darth Vader, and they're fantastic. So, I mean, he's, he's a good writer. Well, if you like, but, if you like my, uh, my chat about this one, wait till we get to the Dark Crisis book. <laughs> it's a rough, it's a rough week this week. It is a rough week. Uh, you want to tell us about some uh, some Udon comics with the Street Fighter there, Mr. Yeah, Brown? Yeah, I'll tell you about Street Fighter Masters. This is uh, number one, uh, Udon. Stories by Matt Moylan, and the art is by Genzelman. Um, so there's not a single piece of dialogue in this book, um, so I'm just going to describe how it goes. Uh, we start out in Brazil, the Amazon rainforest. Uh, we see Blanca. He is lying in a tree, and he's surrounded by some couple little photos, and he's just kind of hanging out. He's got a monkey, two monkeys in the tree with him. He's just relaxing. He <clears throat> is starting to have a dream about a plane, um, and he's uh, it's, it's in, in a plane, and he's inside the plane, and there's lightning everywhere, and one of the engines gets struck by lightning and the plane, you know, opens up and he flies out of it and ends up on uh, the ground with the plane. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how he became Blanca or got to the rainforest, I guess I would say. He kind of wakes up and he's scratching his head and he's like, oh, I hear something. And we see a man walking through the rainforest. Blanca's like, who is this dude? And he's kind of staring at him. He uh, jumps out of the out of the uh, tree, and he's bouncing from tree to tree, and he sees this little doll. He comes up, and he sniffs this little doll. looks like his little kitten. And he grabs the doll, picks it up, and starts running. From there, we see a little girl. She kind of looks like a Pokemon trainer. First thing that comes to my mind. Uh, she's walking around. In a, in the, <laughs> okay, it does kind of She does. Okay, she looks she like does. she's wearing a hat like Ash. Uh, anyways. Not, she, not you say that. Yeah. Okay, okay. She's walking around and, you know, she's kind of scared. She looks lost and she sees a frog. She reaches out, touches the frog, and this crocodile or alligator, whichever one lives in the Amazon, um, jumps out of the water and tries to grab her, tries to eat her. And uh, Blanca just tackles this thing. Straight out of the straight out of the air, and just pushes it aside. Then Blanca comes up to the little girl, and she's kind of scared because Blanca's scary looking. And he presents to her the little kitten doll that she had lost. And she comes up, gives him a big hug. Then he grabs her and jumps from tree to tree to tree. And then he drops the little girl um, next to the man who you Blanca had seen earlier. Turns out it was his daughter who was missing at the time. And he looks distressed initially, but that's because he's, he's lost his daughter. Lost his yeah. daughter, yeah. Um, from there, Blanca kind of sees them, you know, get, give each other hugs, and he's like, "Oh, everything's good." Um, from there, he sees some mice. He's like, "Oh no, mice!" And they're all running scared and from they're something. All running, yeah. And then he kind of looks up in the sky and he sees birds moving, and then he sees um, what look like deer, but they should be antelope if it's. Well, maybe I guess it would they, be South American, yeah. Um, they don't have horns. I think they are supposed to be antelope, but they're shaped a little weird. Bro, those are horns. Oh, no, those are ears. You're yeah, right. You're right, they're ears. Those, I couldn't see that. You have better eyes than me. I don't know why I say that. Uh, anyways, so, yeah, from there, every every animal in the forest is running, and he jumps up onto this cliff, and he puts his his uh, 
head kind of over this cliff, and he looks down, and he sees all these lumberjacks, and they're just destroying the rainforest. I mean, they're sawing things up, and they got big machinery. It looks like a scene from Ferngully. It's bad. Um, there's fire everywhere. It's not good. Blanca just is, looks so mad, and he dives off of um, this this giant uh, uh, cliff, cliff, that, cliff yeah. that he's on, yeah, and kind of dives after these people who are funnily wearing the same hat that the little girl was wearing. Mm-hmm. Looks like they're part of the same thing. And he grabs onto the uh, excavator or the or the forklift or what? No, not a forklift, sorry. <laughs> Big, uh, what do you call that thing? What's the thing that rips trees out of the ground? I don't know what they're called. Anyways, like D-limbs trees. It's really cool. I've seen it before. But um, grabs onto it and he starts, you know, making his electrical charge and um, shuts that thing down. Then he sees a guy with the flamethrower and tears the flamethrower off of his back. Um, and they're all, all these guys are scared and he drops down and there's this lady lumberjack who I don't think is a part of anything, but he I've looks never seen her before. No, he looks like he knows her anyways. She's, she's, she's massive. Um, they get into a, you know, a fight and he does his super special kind of barrel roll towards her. Um, she punches him straight out of the sky and then, um, swings a giant log at him. Um, he misses the log, kind of jumps up, and uh, then he barrel rolls away from her and starts his lightning up. And he barrel rolls towards her and starts lightning up and kind of gets her a, a little electrocuted. She kind of takes the hit and then starts swinging. And they're just, you know, beating the heck out of each other. And then the little girl shows up who was missing with her dad. And she's um, kind of sad. She picks up a rock. And she throws the rock, and it hits Blanca straight in the nose. And uh, this little girl comes up and starts giving this lady a hug, and it looks like it's her mom. Um, and Blanca remembers, you know, when he was on the plane and you know, the last time he saw his family. Um, from there, he's kind of like, oh, man, all right. And he kind of runs back into the forest as uh, the happy family's together. We see him in his tree with his Polaroids and his monkeys and, his family uh, is who's, who was on the Polaroids. It looks like his mother. And uh, from there, kind of gets into a pose, and the monkeys are like, yeah. And that's it. The end. Woohoo. No no dialogue. Um, yeah, I'm going to say it again, because I said it earlier. Thank goodness uh, these are free comic book days. I'd have been upset if I'd have paid for so far two of these. Um I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a, a, I can't, I can't give it a better score than I did the, the I'm going to give it a one and a half. Um, and I like Street Fighter. I think it's fine. Um, Blanc is kind of a overdone character as far as anime style stuff. Um, for me, um, he's very, very popular, um, with, with Japanese art. Um, so yeah, there's, there's nothing to it. Um, I can think about 8 million ways to do a better Street Fighter book, but I'm not a writer. So. He's the Wolverine of the Street Fighter verse. He's not even close. Of the Street Fighter verse, sure, but it, it, he's not even close to Wolverine. I mean, he's. I, I know what you're saying. Nobody in the Street Fighter verse is yeah, Wolverine. Yeah, I'm okay. saying that, like in Wolver- in the I get it. because Wolverine is in everything in the Marvel verse. He's oh oh okay. I'm sorry. I thought you meant like as as far as power slash. I get I get what you're saying. Yes, as pop as yeah yes. popular and overused. Yeah, popular and overused. What he means? Yes, absolutely. I'd rather see a Ken book or a Ryu book. Vega. I'd love to see a Vega book. I mean, I can. Balrog. 
Saget, so many cool characters, and everyone's always focused on Blanca, and I'm like, okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, give it a give it a one and one and a half. Forty five. What do you got for that book? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because of the Ferngully reference. You're welcome. I give it a point seven five. Point seven. <laughs> oh man. Harsh. It's stupid. I mean, it's a fun, heartwarming story, for, and if you give it to a kid... No, it's, it's not. A, yeah. He saves the little girl. Turns out the little girl's family is destroying the rainforest. They're all supposed to learn a lesson. I'm not totally sure no, if we ever learned a lesson or not. You don't, because it's coming from somebody. Because they, they're like, he's thinking back on his history, and he's a human boy, and now all of a sudden he's a green ape person with orange hair. In that wilderness, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, So what's he thinking back on? A kid that he ate one time? No, that's him. Blanca, Blanca was a. They little, didn't explain it. I, a, a kid that walks into the comic store and picks up that book is like, oh, on a heartfelt story. He's gonna like, who's this kid? He's gonna be like, did Blanca eat that kid? Right, that's fair. So now this time he's not gonna eat him. That's fair. That's what I would think that's if I was a kid that never played Street Fighter before. That's fair. On top of that, on top of that, coming from a, a specialist in silent issues. Someone who loves G.I. Joe more than anybody in this room, times a thousand. I know about silent issues, and I know how well they can be done, Mr. Larahama. And this is nowhere near that. Disappointing. I'm only giving me one and a half because this Lumberg-like Jack Lady is just gorgeous. I just figured she was a new character she's in my Street style. No, she's not. Not that I know of. I mean, coming up. Nothing more of six. Six just got announced um, in Lumber, March. Lumber Jane in March. <laughs> I bet five dollars she's in it. I don't think so. I believe it just got announced in March. We probably won't see it till the end of this year. We might see something at Evo, um, or at we're not having E three this year, but we might see something at Evo. So, yeah, I'm only giving one and a half because that lady's really pretty looking, giant lumberjack lady. Well, as far as score, I mean, I I think it's a fun book. But it's not, there's not a lot of story to it. And you're right. If you're trying to learn about Street Fighter and you're like a new kid to it, there's not anything to explain like how we are where we're at. So you have to have at least some precursor knowledge, at least a little bit, for Blanca being the monster that he is. Something I that is a little bit of a disconnect, I guess, for somebody new to it. They have done other ones in the past. Like they did one, I think last, no, two years ago that was a, that was a Ryu Kim story. But it was just a simple fight between the two of them. It had dialogue. I mean, when it comes to silent issues, you're right. It, it's not the easiest thing to pull off. I don't understand why there's no sound effects. Right. Yeah, some bams, some whamps, some thumps would be cool. So, like, it's a different thing with, like, the, the silent issue of G.I. Joe and even the silent issue of uh, Batman Robin because there's no dialogue. It's not that the world doesn't have sound. It's that there's no dialogue. And this world appears to have no sound or dialogue. Right. Not even between the kid and dad. The dad's not, he's there distressed, but he's not, like, crying. The little girl, when she cries, she doesn't make any noise. Yeah. So, like, that part's really weird. I don't necessarily think... Blanca's not death, is he? No, not that Not that I know of. Yeah, not, I, don't, not, I didn't think so. Not uh, Not according to canon... God. Not from anything I've ever seen for this for the game. Yeah, and I'm only... I, I'm, I, my limit of Street Fighter-ness is pretty much Street Fighter 2. Um, I mean, which is really all that matters now, but... I don't believe um, he's as prominent of a character in, you know, the newer stuff. And 
I don't recall him being deaf by any means. Well, I don't remember there being a thing. I'm like any, even the animated movies or any of the any of the different games. No, I played a lot of Street Fighter. So like when it comes to Street Fighter stuff, I I've beaten that game multiple times, multiple characters, and like story wise, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on the story. Street Fighter Two or All Street Fighter? All Street Fighter, even the first one. Surprisingly enough, which is not nearly as cool. First Street Fighter is really bad. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, but the, even even the Camcom versus Street Fighter stuff, like yeah. none of that stuff has ever alluded to that idea. So I'm not entirely sure. Street Fighter is Capcom. Yeah, but Street Fighter versus uh, so what they did Street Fighter versus Marvel. That's what it was. Sorry. It was Capcom versus Marvel. Capcom versus Marvel. Don't that's, mess with. That's me. what I meant. Don't mess with me on my video games. Man. But I don't remember there ever being. Even he makes noises. Yeah, he yeah he does. Yeah. Like in the game, he does. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure again why it's an entirely why it's an entirely mute issue because they don't make any precursor of a reasoning for that. So that part is weird. But I mean, the art's fun. So I don't know. It is definitely, if it was a full series that was like this, I would not be a very happy person. Just in general, because it's too weird. So yeah, did I give it a score in there? Mm-mm. One one and a half? There you go, one and a half. That way it's in the middle of the two of you. He said one and a half. Did I? No, he did. Oh, oh, that's the same. So 1.25? Just one. How about that? Just you're, one. You're going lower than him. Well, I mean, that way I'm in the middle of both of you. Yeah, so rumor on the street is that she's going to be a new character in Street Fighter Six. Really? Yeah. Do they have a namesake for her? Nothing. That's just what people believe? I mean, I guess it would make as much sense as anything else. Why not? Oh, wouldn't that be... That'd be okay. But still, unless she's... Unless she's deaf. Then that makes... Pietra? Sense. Yeah, I don't know. Because it never says anything in here. There's no... I have no idea how you'd even know that. Yeah, Pietra has her name, supposedly. This utterly stacked lumberjack pumped up to the nines and sporting a shock of rush. Uh, you can see Pietra in action of these images. Yeah, Pietra is her name. I don't know where they're getting that from, but there's all over the inter- interwebs. That she's going to be in Street Fighter P-I-E-T-R-A, Pietra. That she's going to be in Street Fighter Six. That's what there's. That, that's what huh. he's reading. Yeah. Her name's Pietra. 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 Well, there you go. The more you know. Yeah. So, you if you to. order a thousand of something, there's a first appearance of a character you might want to hold on to that. That's true. That's yeah. I guess it would be the first appearance of in comics. They don't really do a lot of Street Fighter books, though. No. Udon puts out a lot of, like, game art books. Um, they are currently doing a Darkstalkers series. Um, and every once in a while they do, like, a special or whatever. But it's been a while since they had a regular, like, a regular Street Fighter series of books. Your brother's a Street Fighter guy. What did he think about it? I don't think he's even seen it. No. Oh. Yeah, I don't think he's seen anything from Fikamu Day this year. You know, speaking of video game comic books, how come you didn't make us read the Bloodborne one? That looks cool. I mean, we can do that next time, I guess. Oh. I have it. I was we'll just... be old by then. No. Yeah, I mean... A couple weeks. Yeah. Fine. Anyways. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about it. So that's why, because I didn't think about it. Gotcha. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so from there, we'll move on to DC Comics, The Dark Crisis. Dark Crisis Special Edition. Dun, dun, dun. And tell us a story about The Dark Crisis there, Josh. We're my, uh, Josh Williamson. And the art is by um, Jim Schwang. All right, this book starts off with a uh, 
kind of a visual from the the first pair the first appearance of the Justice League, which is uh, Starro versus the original lineup: Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and uh, Marshman Hunter. Um, it's a woman named Lisa giving a tour through the, what seems to be the Justice League Museum, and they're like, "Oh, giant starfish red!" and all that, like, and she's like, "Oh, but they, you know, they fought a bunch of other people and did all these other things." And she's showing them through. There's like a cool gold car, and like, um, it shows a bunch of different lineups, like the you know the Golden Age, Silver Age, um, the amazing Justice League International Age. The Grant Morrison age, which is the best. I did like how they included the international in that, I don't know, profile picture of the different teams. Well, you'd absolutely have to. They were like, they, oh, pro- yeah. like, they, they, they took over. Well, they were the longest, probably, they, they were a gigantic chunk of the 80s. They were. I just like how they were included. They weren't just reimaginings of the same, like, updated versions of the pictures. I, I just like how we had the Guy Gardner one in the middle there. Oh. We'll have conversations about that shortly. Sure. <laughs> so, well, like, all the kids are, like, looking at these giant... Cause they look like they're giant pictures, right? Isn't that what they're supposed to be? Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. Like, it's a museum, okay. so there's big pictures. Yeah, different. big museum. Yeah. Yeah. And they go, you know, like, and then there's, like, like I said, the Grant Morrison, which is, like, the big seven. So, you know, Marshman Hunter, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman. Then it goes on to the next scene, which is, like, a ton of people that they added in. It's like, you know, there's even Huntress is in there. Shazam, Power Girl, um, Booster Golds, and then there's Supergirl, Black Lightning, Red Tornado, Cyborg. Who's the girl with the, the like, who's that? Uh, that is Vixen. Vixen, yeah. Like, like, I remember her being, like, just like, that was like, kind of like, everybody was kind of a Justice League member for a minute. Kind of like the international cartoon series they did, where and they then focused like, on all those other characters. And this is like the new 52 one, because it looks like, I mean, Captain Cold's in there? Uh, for a minute, yeah. They did a, during Forever Evil, there was a point where... And after Luther is up there, yeah. After after Forever Evil, Lex Luthor and Captain Cold were both part of the Justice League because they were a big part of saving the Justice League from uh, where they were trapped during the uh, Forever Evil storyline, where they were replaced by the Evil Justice League. So there's everyone else's way worse, where bad guys became good guys. It's so, actually a great story. So no, they were like marching through like the the museum, talking and yada yada, and they get to the big statue of like the. Um, the ju- current Justice League that disappeared, something happened to them? They right. sacrificed themselves to hold back the dark, and now we are a world without a Justice League. And all the kids are like, do you really think they're gone? Because, you know, like, most time people die, they come back. And, like, Lady Sissica starts to get all irritated, and she's like, the Justice League are dead, and they ain't there coming back. This place isn't a museum, it's a mausoleum. And it turns into a clayface. And, uh, which is kind of funny, because the kids are like, what? And then, uh, the plan stinks, boss. I thought I could keep the act up all day until this place closed, but pretending to like the Just League was killing me. And these damn kids asked too many questions. And the arrogance of the Justice League leaving a powerful weapon like Darkseid's mother box on display, I guess they thought the threat of them being here was enough to keep the people away, and now with them gone... And then guess who shows up? Greatest Flash of all time. <laughs> Your clay face voice is pretty good. 
The greatest Flash of all time. Wally West shows up in the proper costume, not his stupid hair out costume, right. which is stupid. <laughs> That's the only way you can tell the difference between two of them next to each other. No. Yes. If you're running at the speed of sound and light and the speed force, you wear a suit to cover up your hair because it will pull out and fly off and you'll be bald. Probably catch fire moving That's Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Stupid. That's why Kid Flash's costume is stupid. And they're like, oh, we'll go back in time and make it like a mix of Kid Flash's costume. It's like, no, he's better than Barry Allen. Get over it. Wally West is better. If anything that comes out of this, I hope that Barry Allen stays dead because Wally West is the be- <laughs> Wally West is the better Flash. I'm I a- don't disagree. He's funnier. He's definitely funnier. He's quicker. More people would read him. And he he led a Flash book longer than any other Flash character. And he gave Jeff Johns like the gigantic notoriety that he has had for how long? Oh, he's even he's popular even now. It's waning a little bit. Some people have lost faith, which is sad. No, this gave him the the, the popularity. Where he is right this second, his popularity. No, Wally West gave him the popularity that that his flash run, his yeah. flash run. And then you asked how long he's been popular, and I said, "Well, you see, even popular today, even with no, no, I, we all know he is now, right? But like back then, like that's what brought him on board. Sure. Anyway. So then uh, Wally West shows up, and he like talks to him a little bit trash. And then he's like, "You know what? Like makes clay dry out heat." And he just starts like running in circles around him because he's like, ha ha. And there's this really actually cool, like drawing of like Wally West and like one eye is like lit and lightning coming out of it. And the other one's dark and it's like brilliant. That's a brilliant actually scene right there. Like, I, like the art on that part was awesome. And he just like dries him out and he's just like, now I'll give you the real tour. And he's like, do you think that the real just like, like ever be here again? He's like, I, uh, New years ago, the Flash was my mentor, but uh, one day there was a crisis, and he, well, I had to, I had to take over being the Flash, and then I became the most coolest Flash of all time. He didn't actually say that, but that's what he said. He's <laughs> like <laughs> that same kid asking the question. Where was the time I realized that the Justice League is always growing and changing, embracing the new, um, just like they embraced me? So it's not really a question of if we will have a Justice League or when, just a real question of who. And then it shows like a, a big panel of like. Bunch of people like currently like Nightwing and uh, John Kent and Starfire and Beast Boy and based, uh, the lame Blue Beetle and it looks like probably Damien the like, the young Green Lantern chick. Uh, I think Yara's in there too, the Brazilian Wonder Woman. The the Batman. For, what was that? What was that? That all uh, that crossover called the with all the young kids. The future state is that future state? Uh, future, future state, state yeah. yeah. So anyway, then uh, Dark Crisis number one. Are we going over that real quick or no? Sure, that's fine. Yeah. So the first part of the story sort of wraps up, and there's a second prelude. Uh, that's just to set up and iron out the idea that Justice League's dead, and or has been, yeah, is dead. And the prelude is the next part. So yeah, we can sure. Well, I mean, is it at least part of the same story? I mean, unlike the Marvel book, that's like three totally separate things. Kind of. Um, this one starts out as Dick Grayson giving his swearing by Batman by candlelight, which is kind of creepy and weird. Um, and then they go through like a bunch of things about sidekicks and heroes and stuff. And then it goes to like a gigantic um, vigil for the heroes that died, which I still don't know what's going on with that. Like, I don't. 
well, like issue seventy five of the Justice League, they they killed they killed the Justice League. So Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman all get dissolved. Hot girl, uh, hot yeah. woman, hot woman, Green Lantern, John John Stewart. They're all Barry Allen. vaporized um, to nothing. So yeah, so they're they're quote unquote dead. But like in Strange, what Wong says to Clea, how often do your friends come back from the dead anyway? Seems like they always do. So we'll see. Different universe. Anyway, not when he's giving the vigil and he's like talking about all these things and blah, 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 and the oath that he took. And then there's actually like the villains up on a, on a building in the distance and it's a uh, Deathstroke. Like, it's Deathstroke, yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, oh, sorry. Deathstroke is just like, uh, the justice, like, as, as they talk, he just like, He's holding a candle to him and he blows it out. When he goes to John Kent and Wally fighting like some Cobra people. Not Cobra from Jaja, but I mean <laughs> DC's Cobra. It could be cooler, but the cult, it's not. yeah. And like all the different like groups and then like some Green Lanterns fighting some people and all these just different like subgroups and they're just like, you know, like we were fighting these subgroups, these crazy cult kind of things, but we're like, no, the big big guns are out and about. Uh, you know, what's going, what's going on with that? And that's where it ends. Really, it's like, it's kind of, it's just like, it's a preview of what's, right. what's, what's to come. I will say this. The art in this is better than the art in the other two books by far. I will say that. I have no idea what's going on. And as a jump on point, if you're like, if, if you're trying to get people to jump into like things with free comic book day by being like, Hey, have this new thing starting and this new thing opening up and like this is the time to get involved i would be like huh no idea what's going on people are dead when do they die what's going on what are they dead? what's going on i'm confused i'd be like no thanks i think the idea with that is they expect the other thing to happen where they read that and they're like hey how'd they die where do i find that but i mean depending where you're at in the comic world like how often people die that's Something you're like, well, I need to read that now. Or you don't. Or you ask somebody and they tell you. Hmm. So I think that's what the idea for that is. They basically are having a candlelight visual for the Dead Justice League. That's what the whole second prelude is about. And as a thing, 75 came out, um, I don't know, like maybe maybe two, three weeks ago. It's going to second printing. So as far as the book's concerned, there are going to be copies available again in the world. The first, issue 75's first printing was a really big book. And yeah, by the end of it, that's what the end result is, is the Justice League is dead. So that's where all this stuff is coming from, is the end of the Justice League series. And it's not even like a figurative death, it's like, they get vaporized. So... Who vaporizes them again? Um, so the guy's a... I can't remember what his name is. Where's a green uniform with like a white sort of uh, garb on it? Uh, it's Pariah. Um, Pariah is from the original Crisis. Suji so seventy five would kill like almost everyone, and uh, Pariah, who's being controlled by something called the Darkness, which we don't totally know what the Darkness is yet. The whole issue, the Justice League fight a bunch of different bad things that is are being controlled by the same Darkness. Then Pariah shows up and he kills all of them. So, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, 
Green Arrow, Green Lantern, um, Black Adam escapes, and Black Canary escapes, and that's like it. So that precursor, that's where that comes from. And Pariah is from the original Crisis. He's uh, a scientist guy who wanted to get power to be able to jump randomly through different dimensions. And like as he was doing all that, the anti-monitor gets free. He almost gets dead, but the monitor the monitor saves him. And then as he travels through universes, he just watches the anti-monitor destroy things over and over again. Till you saw our world, and then that's what Crisis on Infinite Earth is about. And he helps the Justice League basically defeat the anti-monitor. So, I wouldn't say bad guy, but he's being used just like everyone else is being used. So, I mean, that's the whole, that's what the whole Dark Crisis is going to be about. His name. And the book doesn't even have him in it. The, the free comic day book. He's in, let me he's on the back page. Turn on the back page there for a second. Uh, no, go one more page forward. One more page forward. Can we get a three, Pete? One more page forward. It's definitely not the last page, sir. Oh, man, one more. It's an ad towards the end. I don't know if you know what you're talking about. One more. One more. Bam. That's him. Okay. In the middle back. Kind of looks like old man Jarrell right there, but that's not Jarrell. And apparently he's built himself a dark army, and that's what's coming after everyone. But he's the guy that vaporizes the Justice League. Gotcha. In issue 75 of Justice League. So that only kind of answers that question, because I don't remember a ton more about any of that. Okay. But he's been around for a while, and... To me, that's kind of an answer, but not, like, a great answer. Close enough. Anyway. Did you score that book, Josh? Oh, yeah. Um, He also was played by, uh... The guy that plays Zach Braff's brother on... I didn't want to have to do this, but... From Scrubs, yeah, he was in the Flash TV series as Priya. Was he? Mm-hmm. Not Zach Braff. No, no, yeah, Zach Braff. The guy that plays brother, his brother. Yeah. He played a show called Ed or Ted or something. Yeah. Ed. Yeah. Ed. Same guy. Gotcha. Um, while you're doing that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to score that. I, I'm going to give this a three. I, I really enjoyed it. The art's fantastic. Um, the story's a little convoluted. Tom if you don't Kavanaugh. Know. Tom Kavanaugh. Good job. Um, the story's a little convoluted. I, I, it could have been a lot better, but some of these panels are incredible. Um, the Flash sitting there, Wally West sitting there, um, the Justice League lineup going through the years during the museum. I love Clayface. I'd love to see Clayface done properly in a film. I think he's a great character. Again, I love Wally. This shot at the end here with all these kind of up and comers who, you know, are going to uh, obviously become. Justice League. There's a lot of hope in this story, um, you know, with the little kids. You know, are they ever going to come back? And always like, you know, it's not a matter of when, it's a matter of if. And it's not really a question of when, it's a question of who. Who are they going to be? Um, heroes rising to the occasion. I, like I said, I'll give it a three. Um, I would have liked to seen a whole book about that, that specific kind of open. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to give it a two. And only specifically. Because it's Wally. Because it's Wally and the art's relatively decent. I think the art's great. That's the only reason I give it a 2. Other than that, I'll give it a 0.15. 
it's confusing. I mean, you and I were reading it, and I was like, what is going on? That's what's frustrating about yeah. it. It's like, I, I'm, I'm rating it specifically on the fact that it's a free comic book day book. And just like, if I walk into a comic store, pick up a random book, and start reading it, I'm not expecting to be like, oh, I know everything that's going on. You need to have read some things and understand what's going on. It's not like just a random number one. This should be, this should be a number on the level of a number one. Sure. And it's not. It's like so confusing. What's like, what's going on? Like you expect everybody to know what's going on, who people are and what's, what, what, well, I don't think it's as confusing as that judgment day one. I'm sorry. That's even more very, confusing. Yeah. It's, it's very close. Yeah. yeah. Well, one and a half. At least I, one of them has better art. Yeah, that's true. Like one and a half on the, on the judgment day, then I think I gave Blanca two and a half, so I'll give this three. So I gave this. Blanca two, one and a half. Did you? No, you gave Blanca one oh, and a half. Oh, well, then what did I give this judgment day one? Oh, I thought you said two. Okay, so two, one and a half. So I'll give Dark Crisis a two and a half. You just give it a three. I changed my mind. Okay. <laughs> well, if you give it a two and a half, and I give it a two, I'm going to go to one seven five. Okay, I'm going down. All right, oh man, I'm going backwards because oh, it has to it has to say even. That's how I feel. Can't be a one point six two. That means score is only kind of better, I guess. <laughs> man, now I'm just messing with CBS. CBS score uh, this book. You know, I I give it a two and a half. Also, I no, you know what? Actually, I'll give it a three. Like. As far as the art's concerned, I like the art a lot. I, as far as the eulogy, I like the eulogy a lot. Mm-hmm. I like the whole, and it's not Dick Grayson taking, it's not just about his induction into the, the league, it's, it's them doing a send-off for the Justice League. It's like a funeral. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I, I guess that landed differently with me because I didn't actually expect him to vaporize anybody. Let's be fair. It's not the Justice League, it's the Trinity. The other people don't count. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> he oh, has man. a good point about John Stewart's this, not yeah. Green Lantern. He's like he is of 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 all the Green Lanterns. He's the like weakest. fourth or fifth coolest. I mean, there's still others On, uh, of Earth. Yeah, well, Earth has the most. No, of Earth, he's fourth or fifth coolest. We all know number one's Kyle Reiner. Yes. Number two, close second is Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner. Oh my gosh, he's not wrong. I'm I'm still Hal Jordan guy, but we don't Hal, know, we don't know why. Cool, Hal Jordan's <laughs> three. <laughs> And then, like, I, I don't know that little girl that that was is what has like the the gauntlets and stuff that was part of like the Young Justice is <laughs> a pretty solid number four. Oh my god! Who's the one that was in all black? That was the the young black guy, Baz. Ba- I like Baz. Baz. Yeah, I liked mm-hmm. Baz too. I'd like Baz more than John Stewart. Yeah, the, I, I like a lot of people better than John Stewart. <laughs> I'm not a John Stewart fan. I never have been. I think he's garbage. Is different times for different people. Like no, there's no different times, different people. If you grew up with the Justice League animated cartoon, he was the main Green Lantern. He's the only one you know. No, he's not. Well, he's the main one from that cartoon series. Okay, Al but Jordan that, that cartoon series is like times. a season. That cartoon series is a season. I think it's two seasons. Yeah, it's, it's, but there's nothing to seasons. it. Long seasons. Still, yeah, they were still. They were long no, seasons. they weren't. That that if if your only connection to the Green Lanterns universe is that cartoon, then you barely know anything about comic books, oh, and, you, and you don't deserve that's to true. have an opinion. That's, that's probably Sorry. True. That's probably true. Because you know what? Hal Jordan appears on Duck Dodgers of the 24th Century. That's true, he does. So there you go, and he's voiced by Kevin Smith, so then, like, if you... Kevin that, Smith? Kevin Smith voiced... Really? The Hal Jordan and I, yeah. Weird. Huh. Okay. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm just telling you, like, John Stewart is the lamest of all of them. 
When which when which which other color did he get get overtaken by one of the violet colors? When he was the. Uh, and then he went to the the ultraviolet spectrum for a minute. Oh, yeah, the ultraviolet spectrum is the one he landed on last. He's changed personas again too, actually. Uh, the end of issue twelve of the current Green Lantern series, there's a shift in his powers again. Nobody I haven't read cares. that. I haven't read twelve yet, but nobody it, cares. It's John. been it's been better. Nobody cares. It's been better. Um, as far as score, I mean, I still give it a three. Like as far as the Justice League is concerned, we all know the best Green Lantern of all time across all universes. Hal Jordan, no, Sodomyat. Oh my gosh, that's true. You know, talk about characters who lost the time. That's too bad. Yeah, he was really cool. I yeah, give you that. And you and you're gonna focus on John Stewart, and you're gonna be like, oh, just because he died. More, no, he, he didn't. More time. Literally, literally, the everybody's favorite Barry Allen. The the Barry Allen conversation, like everybody's like, oh my gosh, Barry Allen's the greatest of all time, and he's not, and he died, and he saved the universe, and he was around for thirty years, and Wally West was the the Flash. And he was amazing, and Jeff Johns made him amazing and created the rogues gallery and all that stuff and did all the cool things. And then, like, Jeff Johns, like, skyrocketed into superstardom, and then all of a sudden, like, Barry Allen comes back and was like, yep, knew it the whole time. He did bring Barry Allen back, though, to assume they did that. Was it him, though? Yeah, it was. Was it? Yeah. Prove it. It Anyway. It was Jeff Johns. Prove it. Anyway. I will give you, I do remember when they made that switch and they bring him back from the dead. Stupid. The stories are fine, but I remember people being like, "Oh, thank God, Barry Allen's finally back!" And I'm like, "You never read Barry Allen comic books? Like, what are you talking about?" Yeah, you you've been reading. You haven't read Barry Allen? You don't like Barry Allen? It was like eighty six was his last comic yeah. book, eighty five. And when he comes to characters, for his, the sacrifice he gave, so let's say dying the, the savior thing okay, is well, really cool. Okay, hold on, hold but on a second. Let's most just, people had read. Yeah, what, what what was the last issue of Christ on Infinite Earth? Eighty six, eighty five. One second, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's 86. Okay, I think it's 86 as well. And I'm gonna go. I'm going somewhere with this one. I need the exact date. So the only person here who has a kid is you. Yes, T Brown. Yes, sir. What what age is kindergarten? Five, right? Uh, My yeah. mom's a preschool teacher, yeah, so yeah, five. Five. Yeah. You learn to you you learn to read at like first grade. You learn your alphabet in kindergarten, but then you basically start learning to read in first grade, right? Yeah, first or so second. Five six. Yes, so like, I'm just I'm going prodigy level. Okay. Let's say Barry Allen's last appearance was 86 mm-hmm. when he dies in Christ Infinite Earth to mm-hmm. save to save everybody's life and blah blah blah. Okay. Okay. Let's just say that you're a you're a prodigy kid and you can read really well and you're six years old. That means you were born in 1980. That means if anybody in the world is complaining about the fact that Barry Allen hasn't been around and he. A reappeared a what was it? Seven years ago. Mm, it's been longer than that, but eighty six is the last issue that was released for. That's what I thought. For uh, Infinite Earths, so. right? So I'm just like, come on. That means that you had to, at, at the very, very, very. You're a genius level reader. Nineteen eighty. So I mean, you were basically most people born in the seventies. If you were a big, if you're a Barry Allen fan. So that means that, like, if you're born in the '70s, and I, I just, I just find it hard to believe. Like, most modern comic book readers, Flash people, what they know of is Wally West. It just is the fact. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Get over it. It's true. So yeah. So his return was initially, and in, he was resurrected in Final Crisis issue number two, two thousand eight. 
Um, but then he wasn't completely made into the series again until 2011 when they relaunched Flashpoint. He showed back up before that because there's a book called Rebirth. So between 2008 and 2011, which 2011 he took over as the main Flash, but as far as him spitting out in the universe... You're so 21, 22 years, he wasn't the Flash. Right. No, I agree with you. That's definitely a thing that I couldn't understand when, when that was happening, why people were like, oh man, this is the best thing ever, Barry Allen, that weren't older gentlemen. Now I'll give you, my buddy Nolan, okay, for him, sure. It makes perfect sense, but Nolan's 11 years older than all of us. For him, it makes sense because it would have been his Barry Allen. Barry Allen would have been his Flash. But everybody else after that... Maybe. No, it would it would have, 100% would have been. He was, Maybe. He was reading those books and he was excited about it. I remember very much so when he said it, I thought it made sense. That dude's not that much older than you. There's no way. Dude, he's in his freaking 60s. Uh, Maybe. So when it comes to time, he's like for him, maybe fifty. Sense. But no, no, no one's like fifty-eight. The UPS guy? Yeah. No, there's there's no way he's in his sixties. Hundred percent. Okay. No way. Anyway, I'm just saying that like across the board, most of the things like the fact that anybody acknowledges the fact that like Barry Allen is like the Flash is there are a bunch. That's being like my my Flash is Jake Garrick. That's my guy. Everybody else is dumb. <laughs> okay, cool. Jake Garrick was even a Flash, but you know what? You're dumb because he hasn't been around forever and he wears a stupid metal hat that would probably fly off when you're running a million miles an hour and you're stupid. Like Herm- sorry. Like, like Hermes. That's why I have to I'm Greek, just Greek I'm just God. saying that like it, in this lineup, the only people that matter are Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman. Those are the only three people that in that lineup that matter. And that's my ultimate Somewhere point. Somewhere there are Aquaman fans screaming at you. Cool. You know who else does Aquaman things? Aqualad slash Tempest, who has way cooler powers. Yeah. I do like Aqualad. This 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 panel here with the memorial for them is incredible. It's really cool. And everyone's dressed up like Yeah. Them. You know they did the same thing for when Superman died and oh beat Doomsday. Goodness. It was similar, but it was daytime. But yeah. There's all there's a whole story about that. Um, where's Kyle Rainer? <laughs> where's Guy Garner? You're really upset about this. I am. I understand. Because there's, sorry. I'm sorry. Hal Jordan is literally like m- 99% of the population's favorite Green Lantern is Hal Jordan. Like they don't even have like have that conversation. Gotcha. They're like, oh, John Stewart. Like, no, nobody likes John Stewart more than Hal Jordan. I'm sorry. Maybe like three people. I mean, that's that's true. And I like John Stewart just fine. Anyway. So yeah, as far as that, if you want to get more on the death of everybody, it's the 75, issue 75 of Justice League. And that Pariah, he's the main crux of Final or Crisis on Infinite Earths. Anyhow. Mediocre. At best. We'll see how it unfolds. It'll be interesting to see what this Justice League tries to do and whether what that does to result with the other Justice League. Probably coming back from the dead. Probably. See, so after all that nonsense, uh, we'll move on to the interview with David Mack from the uh, Anaheim WonderCon, uh, 2022. So uh, we'll play that for you and be back in just a second. All right, guys, this is Steve at South 5 Comics Podcast here at WonderCon 2022, and I'm here with... David Mack. Mr. Mack, you've done a lot of stuff, my friend. How did you get into the industry in the first place? 
So my most people know my early work in comics from my creator-owned series called Kabuki. And I started publishing that in uh, 94. And uh, it was at a small co uh, publishing company called Caliber Comics for a while. And then uh, Image Comics. Eventually, we moved, I moved to Marvel Comics. We created an imprint called Icon. And then right now, it's a Dark Horse Comics. And from my writing on Kabuki, I got the offer to start writing Daredevil uh, for Marvel Comics. So a lot of people know my work from, from Marvel and Daredevil as well. Your style, man. Like, where does the where does it come from? Like, where do you where? How did you get to what you do? I start with the story, and then I try to find the right art style that fits that particular story. Um, our new creator in series called Cover is probably a good example of that. It's a story that Brian Bendis and I do, originally from DC Comics. We're working on a new one now. It'll be a Dark Horse, and uh, that one has like several different art styles in it just to kind of fit the tones of when parts, like, different points of view of the story change. And so I'll use, like, a different art style in it. And I, I kind of did that a lot in, in Kabuki as well when I was starting out. I'm sure lots of mixed media in Kabuki. From what I, from what I remember of it, I actually had a couple of my issues signed by the other day. And, like, it very mixed media. So that format you kind of draw into cover also then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when I was starting with Kabuki, I only intended to write it, and I was looking for different artists to draw it. And I just felt like I wasn't uh, a good enough or experienced artist to do it. Um, but I kind of tricked myself into doing the art for it. So when I'm doing the art, I kind of ask the same kind of questions that I would ask as a writer. So like when you're writing a story, even if you know what the story is, you might say like, how is the story most powerfully told? Is it like first person or third person? Or even if you know what the order is, is it better chronologically or is it better in a different order? So I try to ask those kind of questions visually as well. Like, what kind of colors should this scene have? Or what would be the right style for the scene? Or what would be the right media for the scene? And so often, different scenes or different pages or different chapters or different points of view will have, like, a different visual feel to them. Sure. Well, as far as, like, style, man, you've done so many covers. and so you're, you, When people see yourself, they know it's a David Mack. And as far as style, man, it's a fantastic. Is there anything that you... Is there any dream project you haven't worked? Have you done your own stuff? You've done stuff for DC, Marvel? Is there something that you haven't got to touch that you would like to touch? There were some things that I, I had been offered to do in the past that I turned down because I was so busy with Kabuki that I, I probably should have done anyway. Um, I was offered to write like a Batman story early on and I was offered to write like an Iron Man story you know, early on, you know, pre-movie and everything. And I was just so focused on... You know, Kabuki was a book where like... I was writing it, drawing it, doing, doing the lettering, dealing with the printer, everything. And so I, I would put it out every two months, and it pretty much took me every bit of those two months. And so, you know, I did say yes to writing Daredevil, but it was like a busy time where I was writing Daredevil and writing and drawing Kabuki at the same time. So, you know, there's definitely stuff that I go, oh, what if I did write a Batman at that time? Or what if I did, you know, write Iron Man before there was ever a movie? You know, and I had like an interesting take on it. I was asked to write... Uh, um, Captain Marvel, you know, back then as well, and, and some other things. Um, but, you know, I can't complain at all because I've had, like, a lot of... Like, right now, Brian Bendis and I are doing kind of this dream project, our creator-owned series cover. We'd worked together... We've been friends since 1993 and worked together since then, but we'd never worked together on our own creator-owned project. And so now we're doing that, and not only did we are we doing the comic of it, but uh, we made a deal with HBO Max 
uh, to adapt it into a TV series. Oh. And But not only did we do that deal with them, we also did a separate deal where Brian is going to write the series, and then I made a deal to direct the series. What? So that's a whole new, brand new... You know, playing ground for us. It's a new laboratory for us to experiment in, you know? Wow. So I, I've been really blessed to just constantly have new opportunities and new challenges. Um, you know, I've, I've done like a lot of, uh, like I've done opening titles for TV and films. I've done some opening titles for uh, like Robert Rodriguez TV shows and the opening titles for Jessica Jones, the Netflix show. Right. Got nominated for an Emmy for that one. Yeah, yeah. Worked on the main titles for uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. You know, directed a lot of music videos and experimented in that. So, I really like uh, you know, kind of trying new challenges and you know, trying to learn from it. You know, and apply that learning to the next thing. Well, sure. As far as like visually, I mean, comic books are like a storyboard anyway. So, I mean, it's, it naturally should adapt itself. But that's really freaking cool. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> I had some really cool karaoke experiences with, uh, these people are good at karaoke. Joelle Jones is a really good singer. Yeah. Uh, Afua Richardson is a really good singer. Mike Allred is, is in a band. He's an incredible, yeah, uh, David Walker knows this too. He's from, he's in Portland and we've had like some, some Portland, uh, like Christmas parties and stuff where like all the people at Portland we used to go to, um, you know, different people's houses, and they have, like, karaoke and stuff. Uh, Paul, Paul Pope is fun at karaoke. And uh, yeah, ask Michael Allred about our karaoke experience, okay. or, or his wife, Laura Allred. They're both really good at, at karaoke. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the stuff we did with them. We did some, oh, I did some Run DMC with them. Uh, the Doors, I remember this. Um yeah, like I don't have, I don't do karaoke a lot, but it's like my m main karaoke mem memories are with like Mike Allred, Paul Pope, Joel Jones. It's a good list. I was gonna say, I think the only one that's actually been on the show is Joel. Yeah, yeah, Joel. Um, you, you, if you ever talk to Joel yeah. about, okay, cool. Yeah, ask ask her about like. So the first time I met her was October two thousand four in Portland. She came to my table and showed me her kabuki drawings oh. and said, hey, what do you think about these kabuki drawings? And I said, I think these are amazing. And I immediately walked her over to uh, Diana Schultz, who was the editor at Dark Horse, introduced her to Diana, and immediately she got hired by Diana for a project. So, like, that's, uh, that's my first memory of her. And, like, she drew some amazing kabuki stuff and, like, she, you know, t totally got a job. You know, from from Kabuki Pages. That is fantastic. If you were stranded on a deserted island and you only take five items with you, what five items would you take? That's really personal. Uh, can one of them be a human? They can't be people. Okay, I'm going to take you. Oh, my God. I guess we need some bottled water. What else do we need? No, you drink the top. We need something to boil the salt water. Uh, to drink from, uh, you know, just after that, it would just be, uh, you know, practical things, you know. <laughs> I can entertain myself. I don't need any, you know, I, I can draw on the sand or sculpt with rocks. So it would just be practical survival stuff, you know, from then on. Just stuff to eat seafood with, you know, a knife. 
<laughs> a knife and something to boil things with. You know, and a companion, then that would be good. A companion pot, knife, purifying water. I don't even need that much. Maybe a, maybe a flashlight or a lighter, just in case. <laughs> All right, last one. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? Is that a euphemism? It's not. Oh. I swear. I don't. I don't. I don't. You live in a fantasy land. Oh, I and do. You would eat a <laughs> yeah, I would probably eat it. Yeah, instead of ride it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us, David. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Have a great time. I just want to thank David again for taking the time to chit chat with me out there at the uh, WonderCon. Uh, freaking great! Things really awesome. And uh, I, we were talking, we were talking about his cover series he's been doing with Brian Michael Bendis and how that thing's getting turned into a TV series. And it sounds like David is going to be directing part of it. Um, I guess he's done a bunch. Of, he's done some music videos as well. So he's done he's done video projects also, and he's he's done a few show intros. So you know, like shows have those same intro for lots of things. Mm-hmm. He's done a few of those for different shows too, so he's not—he's not an overly film guy. But I guess it's sort of what he did a little bit before he was doing comics. That'd be a cool job. I would so, like that. As far as the thing is pretty neat, and uh, like cover, the book was based about a comic book artist that used his, well, used his comic book art career as a cover to get into different different espionage things. So it's like the same idea as what the Betty Page books about. Betty Page was using her celebrity hauntness to get to. Different things and in investigate things for the government, you know, how the idea of Walt Disney might have been a German spy or whatever. Similar kind of concepts. Anyway, that's what cover's about, but they're talking about making it into some type of uh, show or movie, so I think that's really cool. Um, he was a neat dude to talk to. Fantastic artist. I mean, if you've seen any of the Norse mythology stuff or any of his variant covers to Daredevil or Kabuki or just anything the dude does covers for is, is great. Um, if you saw any of the Fight Club or Fight Club 2 books, mm-hmm. he had one of the covers throughout the entire series, so there's plenty of places to find his art, even his non-comic art, because he does other stuff too. Anyhow, um, so yeah, so that was, that was really neat. I appreciate him talking with me, that was cool. Um, so after that, uh, we lesson of the day. What'd you learn today, Tyler Brown? But Josh has an affinity for, uh, uh, Kyle Rayner and Wally West. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is you didn't true. know that today. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. Um, I learned a little bit about Street Fighter, um, which is cool. Um, I, I do enjoy Street Fighter. Um, I enjoy fighting games, essentially. I'm more of a Tekken guy myself. But Nice try. That didn't teach you anything either. What's that? Nice try. That didn't teach you anything either. Of course I did. You taught me that the that, that Lumberjack lady might be a uh, oh. an upcoming character in Street Fighter 6, which is exciting. Um, did we say your name on the podcast? We did. The P- break? P- Pietra. Pietra. Yeah, Josh, Josh is looking into yep. it and managed the final thing about her. Um, I'm hoping it comes to Xbox because I'm more of an Xbox guy. Um, play, uh, PlayStation had exclusive rights for um, Street Fighter Five, so I'm hoping that fighting game scene opens up a little. However, PlayStation did just buy Evo, uh, the event in Vegas, um, so it, it might be a little, maybe a little different. But um, yeah, I learned a little bit more about Street Fighter, which is cool. I also learned a little, little more about the Eternals as well. So. Right on. Uh, 45, what'd you learn today? I didn't learn anything today. Not anything at all? No. Oh, come on, I have to teach you something every week. <laughs> that's, that's what I learned today. That's true. 
You think you would learn that before? Because it happens think, all the would, time. Yeah, the fact think. that you didn't realize is like if you run that fast, your hair is going to fly out of your head and catch on fire. Catch on fire. That's why you sure. wear the suit. You know, that's the point of lesson of the day. Right. Learning things that are funny. That's why right. you catch oh, okay. on fire. See. That's why you wear the suit. It only. Took if that's like the case, then why would you even wear a suit? Just wear a t-shirt and jeans, and you can run it. Like, why you got to wear a special suit? It's not going to happen. You're going to end up without clothes by the time you get there. That's they, the I, point. I agree. You can't leave your hair out. You I, think your hair is more? No way. More. Safe than a pair of jeans and a no way. pair of three-star lives? No way. Exactly. See, so that would be what I learned today. Yes. You that's, didn't learn anything. That's that. the you never learned. Part. No, he learned today that uh, Pariah was the name of the guy who also... Oh, yeah, I didn't remember that at all. Yep, came, came from yeah. um, the original Infinite uh, Christ Infinite Crisis. They're, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel and that stuff now. Like That's like such a big character in that book. I think I'd rather see the Anti-Monitor again, to be honest, rather than him. You've, we've it seen him be, in Black yeah, Night. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. They're like, screw the okay, that one guy that was like kind of on the side, like, let's bring him back. Alexander Luther was like a bad guy for a minute, too. Like, just like, come on. They're like, you, now you're just really scraping the barrel. Like, <laughs> really? I don't know. I think Dark Crisis will be cool. But you know who the next big we'll bad guy's going to be? I got $5 on it right now. Wave Rider. Oh, man. That's a character I haven't heard the name of in a long time. Yeah. You want me to go down that DC hole? Let's go. I, mean, that, I think we're fine. And if you listen to this podcast and you want to have this conversation, send CBS an email. At the or DM him on the Instagram and be like, I want to get on the combo podcast and talk to Josh about DC Comics about he doesn't know anything and Barry Allen's the greatest of all time and Hal Jordan's the greatest. Of all time. Then hit him up and like and call us. And we'll we'll have a conversation. But until then, you're wrong. Keep listening to what you what we're saying because you're wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh, have a control. Nobody cares about John Stewart. They don't. I, they not, really don't. I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. I'm he's not. just a terrible. He's been a terrible Green Lantern. He had PTSD before he was even a Green Lantern. I understand. I shouldn't have brought this up. I, I just, I'm it's true. That's what you learned today. PTSD. I, I did learn that. I did not know that. Well, he's a Marine. So. There you go. Oh, all right. I drew your Green Lantern. G G L T S D. Green Lantern. Oh, got it. Traumatic okay. stress disorder. Green <laughs> Man. I think if anybody has post-traumatic stress, it would be the Red Lanterns. That's the whole point of That's them. That's fair. That's the point of them of being rage. Red Lanterns is that like they were devastated and had their hearts broken. And, like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's one of the coolest stories of all time. The cat, you know, the cat one. Oh, Dexter? Oh, yeah. Well, he's great. The The current Green Lantern series has been good, and it is Jon Stewart flavored. But I know neither one of you read any of that, and I understand he's not the most interesting one for for most people. I don't but that want, series has been good. I don't want to read good. I, it's okay. I want to be, if I read Green Lantern, I want to read great. Do we ever mm-hmm. have, do we ever get you any of the uh, New Guardians books? Those are Kyle's books. I don't know if you ever got those or not. Some of them. They gave, he had a series for a minute. Okay, so books to watch. Do you guys have any, any books on the radar? Uh, I've said it almost every week. Uh, Gary Wood is Batman Fortress. I believe is the 26th, 27th, so a couple weeks. I'm super excited for it. Um, check it out. Cool. Um, well, I would give you, uh, I've mentioned both these on this podcast before. Uh, Grimm came out this week. It is already going back to second print. The first issue is awesome. Um, it's from Boom Comics. It's basically about the Grim Reaper. And then uh, from Image, it hasn't come out yet. I want to say it's a couple weeks away still. Um, so Skybound, the Robert Kirkman imprint. Uh, they're putting out a new series called After School. It's a four-part miniseries. It's uh, the debut for Justin uh, Benson over at Image. 
and I've got the reissue one already about a month ago now. It's it's great. It's real neat. It's a based about a young girl who's trying to figure out her place in high school and in order to try to help her find confidence, her parents get her a dog. And it turns out maybe that dog is not from Earth. And more of like a bloody gross place that she's from. Oh. So yeah, it's not a it sounds real wholesome when you leave it that way, so I had to throw the bloody gross part in there, I think gotcha. otherwise you think it maybe is family friendly. It's not. Okay. The, the dog tries to build a spaceship out of people parts. It's it's awesome. Oh wow. Yeah, no, it's great. Um anyway, well that's all I got. Uh is there any action figure news, Josh? I I was gonna say like I don't have any books to watch. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you haven't watched it yet, the Usagi show on Netflix. Is oh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about trying to do that as an episode at one point. It's good. But you and me watch the whole thing. It's it's pretty neat. Is that the bunny? Amazing. The yeah, I know you're a big fan. Yeah, the well, Samurai Rabbit. I'm a big Usagi Jimbo fan. And mm-hmm. since the guy is like, executive producer, pretty much the whole thing. Yep. Not pretty much he does. Um, And it's kind of a cool take on the character. Um, I was kind of like, eh. We'll see how worse goes, but like I was very surprised that it look it looks oh it's great amazingly beautiful like, yeah it's, it looks really cool and then on top of that like the story is actually fantastic as well so um that's what I have to watch so you should um watch that on Netflix Usagi but other than that action figure news um the GI Joe released a bunch of new mockups of things coming out like we saw some actual figure versions of like the Crimson Guards coming out Zoranas Zorana um oh, with the two heads yeah yeah um uh Dr. Mindbender is coming out we're not sure what it is going to be a Senio Comic-Con exclusive we're not sure or if he's just going to be nobody knows yet on that one it's kind of like a who knows um up and coming ones that are coming out is Kamkura is going to come out he's going to be Amazon exclusive uh, a bunch, some more Tiger Force figures were revealed. Bazooka, Ricondo, um, Duke with the motorcycle. Um, those kinds of things, Jajo wise. Um, otherwise, other than that, um, Spawn, the McFarlane Spawn figures are the seven inches. Yeah. They, they released some images, some new, new one, ones coming out, which are pretty cool. Oh. I don't know if I've seen these or not then. Like, because uh, I saw the the angel, like the angel version spawn came out, but there's like some chick. That's my favorite. Yeah, so cool. Um, uh, what's the uh, what else is coming? The speaking of soggy, they have the what was that? What the the, the oh, I'm blanking on now. Like the the playmate, not playmates, but the one that like the targets been getting in, but they have like a oh the Neca ones. Neca, yeah, has. A new soggy figure coming out. That's neat. What well, I showed you that uh, it he's coming. Uh, what else is coming out? Kind of a bunch of random stuff. And then they're they're releasing. If you haven't seen them, they're pretty cool. If you're a customizer or you just like to like cr- like cr- crafts and hobbies, they're releasing like gray versions. Like they're kind of like a, a prototype version of like the McFarlane Toys DC figures, but the figure isn't painted. It's just all gray. In the box, and you can like customize and paint them whatever you want. Well, that's that's crazy. Okay. So they're, they're like an exclusive. They're like a chase figure, but also you can like they're releasing enough of them to like if you want to customize and paint them however you want, you can do that. So it's just like Zod, like the new Zod figure that came out has one. There's a Batman figure coming out, Superman, you know, a bunch of them that are coming out like that. But they're like they're just like the prototype. They're not painted. That's crazy. Okay, I haven't seen any of those yet. That's interesting. Huh? 
So Man, be, all right. Yeah, so be aware of those. Groovy. Mr. Brown, you got anything else? Nope. That's all I got. All right. Uh, Socials. Socials? Oh, K-A-Z-A-M-A-K-I-L-L-E-R. Oh, I do have one thing. Uh, the new Batman... Oh, Gotham. Gotham, I already, I already talked about that. Gotham Knights, um, 13 minute video just came out about Gotham Knights. Um, the, oh, for the game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for the game coming out. Check it out. Oh, it, yes, uh, it, it, it looks okay. Um, I hope between now and October, um, they can, they can make it look a little bit better. Um, especially since it's next gen only. Um, so yeah. Anyways, watch that. A lot of Red Hood, which I enjoy. All right. So if you haven't seen it, I don't know how to find it. I just I would just Google this, but I watched it like several times. It's really really cool. It's a Lord of the Rings like anime, like it's like a four minute like cart animated animation somebody made for Fellowship of the Ring, and it's like the full first book. Oh, that's cool. It's pretty friggin' cool, and it's like pretty fantastically done. Huh. Um, it's like just with with like a score. There's no no words, just like a score and like animation. So like on YouTube or something? Yeah. It's pretty, huh. but it's pretty amazingly done, like pretty high quality. Hmm. I've never, like, I'll show you guys when we're done with this. And I was like, wow, this is really, really, really neat. Yeah. Um, this, I guess, is like Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, like animation. Or, like, I mean, you have to look it up. It's pretty, pretty freaking cool because with like all the stuff that's coming out, like, you know, like the new, the prequel show, Amazon show coming yeah. out and then like the, the Rohan cartoon coming mm-hmm. out, like, ne- was it next year? Uh, I think it's ended this year, if I remember correctly. I thought it was 23 or it 24. Might, you're right, it might be next year. Right, yeah, it's, it's kind of far out, I thought. No, I'm thinking of the Amazon show. I, you're right, yeah. that, that's the end of this year. Um, yeah, and then also, like last but not least, um, they did move it up, and it's not December anymore, it's now September, which is amazing, is that Cobra Kai oh, yeah, season yeah. 5 comes that. out um, in September of this year. So Yeah, trailer's awesome. Don't roll your eyes at me. I just... Yeah. So cool. Did you not watch any of it? Nope. So don't roll your eyes. Oh, man. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Saw the first episode with you guys, and I was like, oh, this is great. But you never watched the first oh, one? Crowd of Kids. Oh, though. man. I have. I've seen one and maybe Oh, maybe see, that's two. part of the problem is yet. Yeah, you maybe two. Know, you don't even know anything. Yeah, like, which one? Which one? Who's one eye, Willie? Nope. <laughs> it's the Goonies. That's not the same. That's not, yeah. Although, Denver Comic Con is going to have uh, John Kreese and uh, Billy Zapka. And Hawk, and who is the Cobra Kai girl? I don't remember her name, but she's supposed to be there, too. The Cobra Kai girl? Yeah. The one that wins the tournament in season four. Spoiler. Uh, I can't remember her name. I can't watch the show now. You've ruined it for me. Oh, you totally can. There's three other seasons. No, I don't know anything no, about. nope. You've ruined it for me. It's over. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, if you haven't seen Cobra Kai yet, I mean, we've been talking about it since, first, since before the first season we came out. So, yeah, it's great. It is. Oh, what's her name? I'll tell you in a second. Okay. Keep talking. So follow her on socials. I have to find socials. It. Oh, we were at socials. K a z a m a k i l l e r. Peyton List. Peyton List. That's right. It's the actress's name. Uh, top five comics. Uh, top five comics. CBS. CBS uh, for art stuff and Comic Con pictures. Yep. Um, or Top Iconics podcast for the show. Correct. You should follow that too, because, you know, everybody needs more things. Clicks, follows, likes, whatever. 45, you're at? Wendell 24. W-I-N-D-L-E 24. A lot of photography stuff. No, I just 
talk bad about CBS and DRAM. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That happens. I don't. I'm kidding. Alright. Right. The key? The key! Take pictures of him sleeping. <laughs> it's creepy. I'm in a